You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is a podcast from comedianscomedian.com. This is the Comedian's Comedian podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith. And before we go into this interview with the wonderful, dark, weird, jizz-obsessed sketch outfit that is Gaines Family Gift Shop, I just want to remind you that uh, it's your last chance to come and see Dave Gorman in the Comedians Comedian podcast live at Soho Theatre. It's taking place very soon on Monday, the 7th of March. That's this coming Monday. And uh, if you missed that one, if you can't do that one, do come along and see Romesh Ranganathan uh, undergoing the same interrogative uh, grilling process that, I don't know, can you grill Romesh? He's he's quite scary. <laughs> he's not scary, I know him. But uh, he's he has such a quiet authority. Gorman is uh, a huge intellect, but I think socially very outwardly uh, friendly guy. So uh, I'm, I mean, there's the, the challenge with Gorman is going to be uh, trying to research everything that he's done, which is simply impossible in the available time. Uh, the challenge with Rom is uh, is going to be getting underneath his tough. Uh, his tough guy, rap battling exterior. And um, so Dave Gorman is on the 7th of March. Romish Ranganathan on the 4th of April. Go to SohoTheatre.com and enter the discount code FAF, F-A-F-F, to get 25% off tickets. Now, this is, and I, I, sh- I can't remember the, the extent we go into introducing who is who. So uh, Gaines Family Gift Shop, the, the fourth silent partner is Kiri. Uh, we also have Kath. We also have Ed and we also have Jim. Those are the four voices. I think we'll establish who's who's fairly quickly on, but uh, very early on. But uh, we're passing one mic back and forth between four people uh, as I interview them. So apologies if there are little uh, sound things which we've been unable to nibble out here and there to make it move in a more slick fashion. That's all of that. This is Gaines Family Gift Shop. Let's start with Kiri. Let's start. Let's you take the mic just for now, because you are the person about with whom I've had least contact with with whom I as an audience member have had least contact because you're the mysterious power behind the throne. (laughs) Can can you tell us uh, what Gaines Family Gift Shop is for people who haven't seen it? Okay. Oh, Gaines Family Gift Shop is a sketch group Um, three performers, two chaps, one lady. And then there's me. Well, there's a sketch group with four of us, three perform, and me, I'm the one who's off stage. So we all write together and I write with them and direct. 
So that that's sort of it, is it? That's that feels fair. What sort yeah. of what sort of thing do you do? Because the thing that you do is is very specific, but I'd like to hear it in your words as someone who's seen all of it. Okay, so I think that what we do is um so for us top of the list is funny above anything else. So it's well uh, so, okay. So how, uh, <laughs> this is absolutely funny. <laughs> so I I think I, I loved sketch and uh, but I was bored by a lot of the stuff I was watching. So it's about for us I think it was about sketch that doesn't well, sometimes we say sketch that doesn't forget the punchline because rather than just like you know plays slightly amusing plays um so it was just about as being as funny as we can in the shortest possible time brevity is the soul of wit and all that so and it's all our tastes which range from uh, I, th- I think our influences are, are not just comedy based so we all love horror and huge film fans and i think that sort of bleeds into our sensibilities uh we're not afraid of a poo gag in fact we love it love love poo <laughs> um and yeah so we love we've got quite pure our sense of humor but also it's something that's important to us that rarely gets picked up on um because chip on shoulder alert we've got northern accents um is that we try and have some social commentary in what we do as well but it's very rare that gets picked up on um Okay, can you... Okay, loads to talk about there. We'll put a pin in the social commentary bit and come back to that for sure. Um, Tell us a bit about how you... These four people with very... Quite sort of specific shared interests, like horror, puerile stuff... Serial killers. Serial killers. uh, Gaines Family Gift Shop being a reference to Ed Gain, the the awful... One one of of the really, really bad ones. Um, He's a murderer, not a serial killer. But, it, yeah. Oh, right, okay, okay. Yeah. You have your own podcast about this, I believe. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, okay, fine. Um, that's just, that's just, I'm just really reminded. Um, so, um, how did you come to be working together, and why aren't you on stage with everyone else? What's the? How did how did you get together? How did you? What was the the, the formation of games? Okay, so I'll explain why. So I it has never been on my agenda to be on stage with them. Just never even appealed or was part of the thought process. Did they, um, but were you there from the start? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And it was always that I was going to direct and write. It was never that I was going to be on stage. It's not it's something I have any desire to do really and it just was like my it felt like my role had already been what I wanted was was to be that offstage person and we know from like the League of Gentlemen and things that that is a model that can work and so it just never it was just never it's never been it's not like I because we found out that with the League of Gentlemen Jeremy Dyson who's the offstage guy did it for a bit but was crap and then was like, I can't be in this. Whereas I've never done a gig with you guys in the capacity of performing with Gaines. Um, it's just never, never been on the table. Yeah, <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So tell me, how did you, Kath? How did you guys all meet? I'm gonna. I'm, there's so many uh, of you. Like with Pappy, yeah. it was a bit like jumping in and stuff. But there's there's so many four of you that uh, I'll try and direct things. To um, you. Okay. So we all met at Salford University. Um, me and Ed were on the same course. Uh, media and performance and then you guys did you guys were b- 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 no well, above us weren't you i'm above and he's jim's you're saying jim same year yeah. uh but yeah me and ed did the same course uh and kiri and jim did did you guys do the same course contemporary theater practice yeah so then uh in third year i believe um kiri ed and jim and another guy did a sketch show and i did a sketch show with some other people and uh, and then oh, there's some looking, there's some looks. And there. <laughs> what with the uh, <laughs> <laughs> no looks. the other sketch show? Okay. 
Um, and then, yeah, and then I think, well, I can't really speak for you guys with it. I think you guys were like, oh, we kind of want, we enjoyed that. We in, would enjoy it if if Kath was in it, maybe. I think that was That's it. Closest Kath would get to a conference. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, and yeah, that was it. And then we just gave it. You got it, poached. Gave it, it, so, you got headhunted. So no. Um, and then, yeah, it was it was after uni. Like it didn't happen in uni. We just we all enjoyed it, and then we're like, "Oh, should we give that a go?" But like, it was after graduation, wasn't it? So were you yeah. were you all people who were doing? Um, this is to the floor. Uh, were you all people who were doing these kind of nebulous media slash performing degrees, which I did one myself, not really knowing what I was going to be, not knowing what I was going to do with it. They're not really. They're not like it's not like a drama school degree where you go now. I will become an actor. So. What were your plans before thinking, hang on, let's make a go of this? Did any of you have strong passions towards specific things? Is, is, Ed, is Ed the wrong person <laughs> to be holding the mic? past this, I was really worried about like shaking it, like, trying to be as still as possible. I'm very nervous. Um, I think for, personally for me, like, I, I went to Salford University because I wanted to be an actor. The school I went to was really good for drama and I, I loved it and it gave me such a passion for it. And then within a year of doing it at Salford University, I was like, I don't, I don't want to act, I don't want to be an actor, I don't think, but I really enjoyed sort of the comedy elements of all sort of stuff. I really enjoyed the idea of, of a sketch show and just doing stuff really quickly and just like get to the punchline and then move on to another story. I really enjoyed the idea of that. So I think from quite an early stage at university, I, I wanted to go into sketch comedy and stuff like that. So the, the year afterwards, I gave stand-up a shot but it's a lot easier when you've got two other people to blame for all of the bad stuff <laughs> on stage. Oh, God, and I know, man. So, yeah, so good. All of the glory is your own, yeah. and all of the faults are probably somebody else's. So just on the subject of stand-up, Kiri, you do stand-up yourself. Kiri Pritchard yeah. McLean? Yeah, McLean. that's what, McLean, like Die Hard, yeah. Oh, yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you do stand-up on your own, and Jim, yeah. you do stand-up as well? Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to Jim. I'd like oh, Jim yeah. to say something. We do. I just. I'd like. I'd like the listener yeah, to yeah. register Jim's voice, no, okay, and then yeah. we could get back to the social dynamics of Kerry going. Jim did indeed do that. <laughs> yes. Uh, so uh, uh, we we all met at university, and I, 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 my first um, experience of doing comedy. There was a, an open mic thing that was run at the student union at Salford, and it was essentially we'll give you a free bar if you perform. And I thought, I'd like to get drunk. So, and I've always wanted to try stand-up. So I gave that a go. And it sort of just started from there. And then um, you, I think you're always drawn to the sort of people who you have similar interests to at university anyway. And so it sort of happened where by, by the time we got to third year, me and Ed weren't even on the same course, but it was like, let's work together. And Because uh, we were into the same music, we are into the same films, we are into the same comedy, sketch shows. TV series, things like that. So it just okay. sort of, that's what sort of happened from there. Okay. Well, let's talk, let's dive into the actual, the, the work that you do, because something that you, that's come up a couple of times is the idea of getting to the punchline as soon as possible. And you mentioned you were kind of bored <clears throat> by sketch comedy, Kerry. So you don't need to, I'm not asking you to name anybody, but like I, I, me and Richard Sandling used to do a sketch show, Kiosk of Champions, which was competent. And uh, <laughs> we found that it, that is one of the hardest things to do because you're desperate for material. So I, my, my uh, experience of it was we, we've, got to, we've got to fill an hour. We want to sort of bite off more than we can chew. So we've got to come up with lots of ideas for sketches. And I suppose in a similar way that a stand-up might go, and again, when I say a stand-up, I mean me. If I get an idea, I think, brilliant, this might solve five minutes. And actually what it might be is something you write for two hours, you think it's going to be 15 minutes and it ends up being one line. 
I think we certainly found, or my own experience with sketch comedy, is that I found it very hard to not spend a lot of time getting to the punchline. Let's set the scene. Let's let's kind of spoon feed the audience what's going on because, hey, that then we can, hey, we're doing comedy, it, despite the fact that maybe haven't been any laughs for a minute and a half. Mm. Something that's very specific to your work is that as soon as you get the punchline, you get out. It's like the difference between a comedy song where someone repeats the same chorus and a comedy song where someone does one chorus, that's the jokes, let's move on. Do you know what I mean? You're yeah. smiling at that, Kath, as if to go, yes, I like that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I've never thought of it like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like a comedy song, but when you get one that, you know, once you've heard the chorus once, why, why are we still listening? Unless, yeah. it, unless it's changed. <laughs> so are you then, do, talk to me about what the writing process looks like. Are you all meeting in a room together? Are you taking it in turns to write things and submit them? What does it look like? Um... It's well, it's ever evolving and and really flawed and imperfect. Um, so t- tone is important to us as well as funny. So, like I always say this, but for me, being border sketch because it was posh boys doing puns about kings. Mm-hmm. So tonally, we didn't <laughs> want to do anything like that. Yeah. Um, which is why we will like we will sit and watch a horror film and that's how we'll go about writing stuff. Or sometimes when Ed and I have been writing together, um we'll be like, what's gainsy? Because we have our own tone in what okay. we do. So we will have a think about like, so what is a thing or what do we like? Because we are we have similar, you know, we like Sherlock Holmes and you know old ghost stories and things like that and you know creepy stuff and weird forums on the internet you found that weird file of stuff that's yeah (laughs) so you know like tone is really important to us and we're likely to start with something like that just as much as like a silly goof that someone does in conversation like a stand-up and you go is there anything in that okay um and because what we don't really use character they're all always themselves we just turn up elements of their personality or we we create a facet to make the sketch work so it's not like we go what are these type of people like or you know why don't we make fun of a posh woman and um, <laughs> that we like it, so it can it can be whatever but it's all i think it is always rooted in our tastes and our experiences it's it's i think it's really similar to stand-up I'd also say that was really weird because I took it and then I turned back to you like it was. uh, I'd also say, like, particularly when we were starting out, um, we realised really early on that a lot of the places where we were gigging were stand up bills in the north. We were playing above pubs, some of them quite rough. And so we couldn't necessarily, even, I mean, we, I, we didn't want to anyway, but we couldn't turn up to those places and do long drawn out sketches where we're wearing costumes and wigs and things like that. It needed to be simplistic. We needed it to be punchy. We needed to have the writing where it was set up punchline. Um, we needed to organise it like a stand-up comedian would. Yeah, and that's that's like quite an interestingly, um, that opens up a, a, a sort of a, a decision process on your part, I think, because not all sketch groups go, right, we've got to be able to work the clubs. So as much as needing to work the clubs has fun, has kind of sharpened what you do, you're also people who decided that you wanted to be able to do it in clubs. Yeah, well, I don't think we necessarily that that's Step that wasn't that yeah <laughs> yeah no that that wasn't our goal, but that that was um, when we started out. They were the main places and the only places that we knew where we could gig. Yeah. Okay. So that that influenced us, but the the goal was obviously to to expand and go to other places. Because in the in the north, there's not there's not any like sketch nights. Whereas down in London, you, if you go to a sketch night, people are expecting sketch. You have a lot 
more time to sort of expand on something and people will give you that time to sort okay. of go, here's where we are, here's the kind of people that we are, and now here's your joke. Well, enjoy it. Yum, 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 yum. Whereas <laughs> uh, up, up in, the, in the north, there's just nothing like that. So it's people who are expecting jokes, expecting really quick punchlines and, and, you know, sort of a, a stand-up style of every other line's a joke kind of thing. So you just had to had to do that otherwise we weren't going to get anywhere at all yeah the first the first one the first gig we did jim was um jim had a wig and a dress on and <laughs> and then that was like the last time any of that horse shit was seen just like, totally took all of those just like came off i like, can't be doing can't be doing can't be walking i can't tell our parents that that's I all we're doing wearing that. <laughs> yeah i think uh, yeah so i think you just talk a bit more about that you you saying can't be doing that can't tell our parents we're doing that <laughs> what is the what, what what is that what happened in terms of what happened in the room with the audience what was it that was so negative about it it wasn't even negative it was a a lovely gig but it was just it was just coming off and going no no we can't we can't do that what we we don't need to do that it didn't add anything it didn't add a punch the only the only possible joke that there was was that man over there with a beard is in a in a long haired wig and a dress that's the only possible like outcome from having that it didn't add anything to that wasn't funny to us, the sketch it? yeah it didn't it, it didn't really add anything it just wasn't our tone even though we, we wrote it it was just like that's not the direction we want to go in we prefer like so it's, i think we did th- maybe three sketches it was like that one just doesn't that one doesn't fit that one isn't right and the other okay. two are the other two are sort of a bit darker in tone and a bit more okay based let, in reality i guess let's let's stay with the idea of tone for a second what sorts of things and, and again for people that haven't uh, seen your stuff or, or heard it i heard mm. puffin island on the way here which i enjoyed enormously oh my which gosh is, uh, this so you your three radio half hours yeah and which are very you i'm just thinking for people who can't who are listening in other countries who can't get to see you live what stuff there is available we'll, we'll, we'll get into that at the end yeah but um so for people who haven't seen it, what kind of uh, tone, what sort of examples are we talking about? I mean, I, I think I know, but let, let's hear it from you. What sorts of things? I think that's a great question. <laughs> Can we have... I'm, I'm going to chug it to Kath as well, just to attempt an even spread. Um, oh, I'm the worst person to answer this, though. I, yeah. j- j- what, no. why, why are you the worst person to answer this? Because uh, I can't uh, articulate anything. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but that's that's a. Uh, what do we like? What do, kind of stuff we do sketches about? Um, well, it's kind of what you said before. We do we look we love horror films, so that's that sort of comes out a little bit in stuff. Um, and we like serial killers. Um, and we like. Do you see what I mean by yeah. the articulating? <laughs> that, that's fine. You um, can throw this one to Kiri if you I, like. I definitely will. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, I think we get told that we're dark a lot. Um, I am on the fence as to whether we are or not because we throw out a lot of stuff that's like, well, we can't possibly make a joke about that, which we think is dark. And so you're we'll... calibrated for a much darker darkness yeah, than definitely. the average reviewer. And then, yeah, what we think is sort of like fun, a light-hearted romp. People are like, well, it's just relentlessly atrocious. Um, different type of atrocious, hopefully. But yeah, so I think that it's the it's probably the darker, sadder bits of life. the 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 bits that... You know, when you laugh at a funeral, that kind of uncomfortable, but also like rooted in that idea of big, silly punchlines. So, yeah, that's it's just anything that's a bit creepy and a bit weird and a bit offbeat. And we have an in joke, many in jokes, but how in school that people would be like, you're weird. Mm. Um, so we were the kids who were always like, you're weird in school. Um, but that stuff that we were told we were weird about is the stuff that we all love. So that's what we write. It's, you know, that whole thing about write about what you know, but unfortunately what we know is how many people that, 
creepy it's a cliff killed <laughs> and so to us like when you're immersed in that kind of creepy world as well what you think is all right to joke about is obviously slightly off kilter with the rest of the world just that that idea of of being told you're weird and you're the weird kid is that given that you're four very different people were you did you all were you all told that as as kids or has that kind of become uh a sort of a casual way of describing the the sense of it. Like, are any of you right now thinking, "Well, I'm I'm actually the least weird one, but I've got to pretend to be weird to fit the group." <laughs> Old head boy Eastern, I was fine, yeah. mate. <laughs> um, yeah, no, well, I think the laugh there just—I was clearly not head boy. I wasn't even a prefect, but I did wear my brother's prefect badge because nice he's three move. years older than me. Yeah. Weird. Out of my way, nerd. <laughs> um, you used to have hair down to your arse, didn't you? Not to my arse, to my is nips. Yeah, it was nip length. It's my nipples. I look like Charles the First. I look like Charles the First. Why don't women want to? Yeah. Shock horror. Um, I was, yeah, definitely. I remember there was, I put, I put on the, it, was, it wasn't actually at school, but I really stuck in my head whenever we say that, well, you're weird. I put on, uh, when I went to the cinema, um, I put on the telly in the foyer, um, I shouldn't have done this, but you can't fire me now. I don't work there. Um, but I put on the Mighty Boosh's live show. Okay. And then these two girls who were friends with the projectionist came and sat next to me. And they were like, what's the, this is weird. You're weird. You like this. I don't get it. You're weird. And I was like, it was the weirdest. Well, it's it such a strange thing to be like, it's not weird. It's fun. They're funny guys on the thingy. So that, that was an element that happened. But I think it did happen also in school. But just without, I didn't have to show anyone anything. It's just to me. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, it, the long hair should have just left it at the long hair uh, yeah uh, I've, I've never it's it's never been quite in a you're weird it, it's it's with me it was all of a are you so weird <laughs> that's why we like you though it's always been that with me but then i'm always like oh no am i actually weird <laughs> like that, so it's okay. it's had that the negative effect but not the it's not been in a oh my god you're so weird it's not been that it's just been a Oh, that was odd, Cass. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm not weird. I'm not like these guys. Uh, <laughs> these guys are weird. Uh, no, uh, it's uh, it, when I when I uh, went to when I was doing my A levels and stuff. I think that's when my taste changed quite a lot. When I was in school, I was a uh, I was a sporty guy in the in the. Uh, I uh, thought you can't all have been. I was the in weird the football team. So I was a South Ribble triple jump champion, oh two thousand one, two thousand and two, under sixteens. Uh, so that was pretty good. Uh, and then uh, when when oh, I uh, did you get into drugs or something? Why no, no, no. Well, uh, got into pontins. <laughs> Excuse me. Let me carry on my uh, story that I had everyone hooked. Uh, and then I, when I went uh, started my A levels, um, the in the area I, I grew up in Leyland in Lancashire, quite a working class town. So it wasn't like they didn't really have six forms or anything like that. I had to go to another. Uh, um, Stop it. And, Bingo. Okay. <laughs> I mentioned that as a joke because I do it in everything now. And uh, it's rather, yeah, so I, I went to a college to do my A-levels and that's where I met a new group of friends who had the same interest in music as me. Uh, I think that's when I started to realise I was a little bit different from everyone else because I was into like punk music and things like that and no one else okay. at my school really was. And then I met friends who were also into music and they were also into like David Lynch films and, and they did films and we made our own little films and music and messed aboutwards and that's when I sort of the interest in doing creative stuff sort of appeared okay uh, but it started off with music before comedy with me and do you do you think and this is sort of to all of you anyone that feels it particularly strongly do you think that you being the weird kid or identifying yourself as liking different things to other people what was that a reaction against like in your own life what because I think that's true of a lot of comedians that that we want to 
prove ourselves to be different to the people around us. Like what, I'm not quite sure what the question is, but I'm just interested in, <laughs> oh, this is frequently the case, but I'm like, okay, so you, so Ed was weird because of your sense of humour and you were weird because you were into punk. Um, obviously there's so many of you are having to re- sort of reduce this as much as well. The punk, the weirdo, the loner. Woo, don't you forget about, you know. Well, I think what, from, from what you're getting at there, I think, I think for me particularly, like my family and things like that, work nine to five jobs, they're all amazing. Um, uh, but, I I didn't want that. I wanted a bit something a bit different. And the people who from my family uh, have all stayed in the same town and things like that. And I wanted to try something new. And uh, that's that's sort of what made me go. Oh, there's something different that I could possibly do. And this is really interesting. And there's not set hours. And there's no one to answer to when you're doing it. You just you, you're doing these things because you think it's good. Whether okay. it's music, whether it's doing film, whether it's comedy that we fought, fell into, because you want to do it and you think, oh, this is a really good thing to be doing. Okay. I've had this weird. This is so embarrassing. This might be one something that I'm like, can we cut this out, please? Um, but I have literally, I, well, I'm incredibly arrogant. Let's just get that out of the way. And since I was about 16, I was like. Oh, I'm the future. <laughs> so, like, as soon as I started, I went to, like, a drama school and not not like a proper one, but, you know, like, where we did exams and it was in term time. That's why it was a school. And I used to write loads of comedy there before I really knew what it was and used to perform there. And not very long after that, so 16, 17, I looked at who I loved and I was like, every... Every few years, a generation comes through where they're all pals and they're all in each other's stuff. And I was like, there's due another one and I'm going to be in it. Okay. Like, I literally have been that. I'm so mad. Like, and I mean, I compare myself to like, literally, okay, so there was like Stephen Fry and his lot. And then it was like Steve Coogan and, like, and then it's Simon Pegg and all that. So I've literally been like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm in the next one. And I have just, since I was really young, been like, I've just, that's what I've got to do. And I didn't really know how I was going to do it. Um, but having like not sharing much in common sensibility wise with many people in school or but yeah just being and I remember sitting in at my audition to Salford and they said why do you want to come here and I said I know that the League of Gentlemen met in university and worked together I want to find people to work with and I'm going to make my own work and I literally set it all out there in the audition and that's why I went to university because I knew I had to find these people to be in my peer group with like so these are people that i can carry all the way through into the next generation (laughs) but like i've literally been like oh so that is what's gonna happen okay okay. i didn't know how but i just knew it was gonna happen my destiny so this is games what a lovely bunch of idiots i mean really they're so so warm and so friendly and what's lovely is to see the the really obvious and to hear in your case, but for me to see as I as I uh, recorded them all sitting on one couch, not dissimilar to a sort of an evil version of the two Ronnies, uh, not the two Ronnies, um, Morecambe and Wise's bed. <laughs> I mean, it would have been better if they were all in a grave, really. But maybe maybe another time. It's so wonderful to see and to hear how much love there is for each other and for the troupe and for their shared interest that they they found. You know, you go like, oh, these. These weird loners found each other and are now making stuff. And I I mean, one of the things that really knocked me out about their group dynamic is the incredible drive and confidence and just oomph that they get from Kiri. I mean, surely this should become a thing now that all sketch shows have to have not just a, a silent 
uh, nth member who doesn't perform, not silent, but, you know, a non-performing uh, member, but also that it should be Kiri, uh, because she is just formidable. Formidable is the word. I was going to say terrifying, and I don't mean that at all. She's very lovely, but formidable. Um, so loads more from them just to come. Uh, lots more of their rules of what they will and won't do in their sketches, where it all comes from, how it all comes together. Um, loads of that is coming up. A couple of quick messages. Uh, hello to Mike Biddiscombe, who is in hospital in Cardiff, apparently currently pondering some pretty full-on surgery. Uh, good luck with whatever decision you make, Mike. Thank you for listening, and uh, thanks to Jane as well for getting in touch. Uh, lots of love from everyone here at comedian's comedian and by everyone it's basically me i'm sure nathan the editor loves you too um so good luck mike also this is a little favor i don't normally do these things like you know retweeting and uh, advertising people's charity endeavors but this is one with the difference this is not only uh, a personal connection but also uh, a really fun comedy thing it's a guinness world record attempt called stand up on everest attempting to break the world record for the highest stand-up gig ever they're going to everest base camp a bunch of comedians uh, and also some non-performing types are doing it one of whom is Olivia Phipps, friend of the show, and uh, she's very frequently one of the podblins to whom I disparagingly refer, who does loads of logging work behind the scenes to help us edit the show and keep a record of who says what in the case of future lawsuits pending. So if you go to uk.virginmoneygiving.com forward slash Olivia Phipps, and that's spelled Olivia Phipps, it's spelled as it sounds. If you can spell Olivia Phipps, you can spell that. UK virginmoneygiving.com forward slash Olivia Phipps. If less than a quarter of the ComCom pod followers, she says, gave a pound each, we'd have more than enough. Well, bloody good luck getting a quarter of them to do it, Olivia. Um, but uh, please do that. And when you've done that, you're online giving money for a good cause. Why not give money for a sort of less specifically charitable cause, uh, which is, of course, your opportunity to donate to the Comedians Comedian podcast. A pound a show is looking increasingly unlikely now that this is show number 160. But maybe 50p a show or 10p a show or something like that. Whatever you think is appropriate for all the hours of uh, enjoyment, inspiration and uh, invigoration. That's one of my favourite words. I frequently describe things as invigorating, which probably says more about me than the things. Um, but if this show is a source of any of those I words to you, then, uh, then bloody pay for it. Stump up some cash. Next time you're near a computer, go to comedianscomedian.com and, uh, and you can make a donation, which will not feed my poor baby. I have to make the money to feed him. But... Um, uh, what it will do is help me make uh, further forays and adventures and go to far-flung places and record episodes with people we've never heard of yet who we can't wait to discover and then look cool in front of our friends. Do you know what? It occurred to me the other day, nine years ago, I went to New York and I dropped into... I dropped into... That's what you do when you're a comedian. Actually, I went. I went to Caroline's on Broadway. Brilliant club in New York City. And I saw Louis C.K. do, like... I, th I feel like he did, like, an hour and 20 as his headline thing. And it was completely random. I'd never heard of him. He absolutely wasn't famous. At, I mean, he was a... You know, he's a, a New York headliner. But he just hadn't blown up in the way that Louis did. And it occurred to me that had I been doing the podcast at the time, I'd bloody well have snaffled him for an interview just before he became massive. So um, hopefully we'll get we'll get him on before too long. But that's not going to happen unless you all donate and get me some air miles. So uh, comedianscomedian.com, you can make recurring payments or you can do one-off donations via a variety of means. And you can even buy a T-shirt because we have a few left. I'm going to be doling out, uh, doling out, selling uh, T-shirts on tour. And the tour begins... The day of you hearing this, I'm opening the show with a very respectable audience numbers. Thank God for the first show. I'm feeling very positive and very worried about, you know, not 
not worried, but nervous and tense and like, God, I hope people come. People are coming to see the show. So uh, that's at Birmingham Glee. It's almost certainly too late for you to see that one now. Um, but given that uh, Gaines Family Gift Shop are based in Manchester, um, I am coming to Manchester. So if you're local to there, come along and see the tour show. It's called An Hour. I'm at Excess Malarkey. Absolutely wonderful independent club on the 23rd of March, which is coming up very soon. So I'll be chucking T-shirts at people afterwards in exchange for them throwing money at me. If you want to donate in person, come along to the tour show. Stick around for the off-the-record Q&A after each show, which is becoming increasingly clear will have to take place in the car park because I really have only booked the space for an hour in the various theatres and studios. Uh, and uh, press some money into my hand and say something cool. Now, on the subject of big guests, there is an absolute doozy of a guest who I'm interviewing in their house, which that fact alone excites and frightens me. Um, I'm not going to tell you who it is, but... People will know who it is if they are members of the Comedians Comedian Facebook group, because last week I found out we've got uh, Charlie Big Potatoes coming on the show. And, uh, and so I was able to say, right, what are your questions? Submit all your questions. And people submitted some some nonsense, but some very good questions. So uh, I'm going to take those with me to the interview. Hopefully put a few of those to this colossal heavyweight guest who doesn't often appear on podcasts. And uh, and if you want to be part of that, you've simply got to join the Comedians Comedian Facebook group. I, I sort of don't get anything out of you joining it. So it's not like a hard sell or anything, but I really value. We've got about 3000 people on there now and people. It's a really good method of communicating and communicating to other fans. People put up recommendations for their own stuff, uh, not for their own stuff. I, I delete those bastards, um, but uh, they put up recommendations for other comics that they're into. And it's a nice little growing community. So join that and you'll get to hear about uh, Guests such as Billy Big Bollocks, um, as and when. That is, I think, all of that. I've done that bit, I've done that bit, and I've done that bit. So let's get back to the brilliant Gaines family gift shop, and I'll uh, I'll speak to you in the, the long, drawn-out waffly bit afterwards. Here's Gaines. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com i'm trying to imagine just to, to get more of a sense of the the interplay between you the sort of the, the dynamic of, of the individuals in the group like it, we can imagine without you games would not have the drive and the confidence and yeah. the and i'm not i don't mean exclusively these things i don't know which parts you play kind of uh creatively as well and we'll, we'll this find is right out so far. This is but um, yeah you know what i mean but so, so to, to try and get a picture of what's left so if we took away kiri there'd be less drive there'd be less confidence there'd be less 
kind of and he's interested because Kiri's going really and Kat's going oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if we took okay yeah so if we if we took away Ed but we we brought Kiri back in <laughs> so we <laughs> kill Ed less bum old jokes why why wouldn't it work what 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 let's try and work out what is the aspect that each of you brings to it that is unique from the other this could get incredibly brutal yeah. incredibly fast <laughs> it was let's like do it, yeah guys. no hang on what does Jim bring <laughs> oh shit <laughs> Oh my god! I was, I was South Ribble Street champion. Yeah, <laughs> he does bring that to the table a lot. I'm just trying to answer the question: What do you bring to the group? I'm trying to ask that in a more interesting way. What we ask ourselves missing from the group. With no um, uh, I, don't, I, I don't think I'm the right person You're to not the right answer person this. To answer but I'll give it a shot. Uh, just the charisma, <laughs> the comedy. It would just be a series of boring people Kiri, what, talking to each other. What, what do you think, Kiri? Yeah, somebody else. Um, so, it's like skill set-wise. So I think it's, generally speaking, Ed, Kath and I are sort of on the same page. So that's why Jim is useful, because he usually goes, no, about okay. things. Like, comes at things from an opposite angle. So we need to find a way to make it work. So, so that means I think we get a more rounded sense of what's funny and ho- a slightly more accessible version than our just sniggering in jokes about bums and blood. Okay. Uh, I mean, which definitely do still make the cut. <laughs> Absolutely. Puffin <laughs> Island, the joke about skidding an animal to make a suit, which the, would be the bum hole would be the buttonhole. I mean, that's such a good, such a good joke. I nearly, I nearly crashed the car. <laughs> yeah, forgot about that. Yeah, forgot about that there, there we go. That is the ultimate test of confidence in one's own material. You'd forgotten the joke. I've reminded you of it, and you're all killing yourselves laughing at your joke. I just, I just cannot believe that that made the yeah. I can't believe I kept that in. <laughs> So go on, Kiri, this is a good, from a, from a directorial, from an authorial point of view. So Jim brings a, like a, almost like a litmus test of, yeah. of how normal folk will. Yeah, I think so. And also his sensibilities are slightly different in that, so we've always gone for the more like mumbling and shrugging style of performance. Because that's one of the reasons why we don't really have costumes or props and they're, performance is deliberately low key because i think if you have to sell it that hard it's probably not funny yeah so it, like it should the words should just be funny that is some, and, that is some hannibal barres confidence <laughs> that's, some re- that's like a really stand-up a- a- aesthetic isn't it yeah to go, I think look so. we should be able to read the sketches out yeah and they make people laugh because we don't have to give it bombast yeah and i think so with jim he has it's weird so sometimes he's really grounded in like no it doesn't feel very gainsy like that's not he's like no we wouldn't do that but then you have like a sensibility from your pontins days and things like that that is far more accessible and showbiz (laughs) and friendly Um, i didn't know what i wanted to be when i was younger i didn't know whether i wanted to go to university I spent eight months at Southport Pontins. I regret it every day. They won't let me grow a beard. I've still got the sparkly jacket. I was Barney the dinosaur. Thank you. <laughs> okay. I'm cutting all of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you remember the Pontins element. Yeah. <laughs> I was this, I was that. <laughs> but he like so, so yeah, he brings, I think, sort of a different sensibility that is definitely needed for a bit of balance. And on stage, he also is the, you know, sort of confident bomb again bombastic one and then ed uh is i think stage wise has got this incredible physicality and energy that just it gives things a a bit of a 
peculiar, but but it's like this manic kind of energy. He's like the wild card when he's on stage that you're like, what is this weird dan- daddy long legs of a boy going to do next? Yeah. And he is like a man boy. Mime tearing out his own heart and bumming himself. Yeah, 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 often yeah, yeah, the yeah. answer to that question. Yeah. Uh, didn't make contact. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that kind of like... What could happen next while he's on stage yeah. is is what he brings. And then Kath, I think, has like... There's a two-pronged thing going on with her of being so adorably girl next door and low status, but also incredibly threatening and dark and being able to turn on a dime for both. Because, yes. like, the flip-flopping with those things, that when she does it, is so pleasing for an audience to to watch and yeah. then what Kath brings that the boys don't, which is probably my fault, is that I think that generally Kath is the more consistent one because she, might be a woman thing, plays every scene for everyone, for the scene to be the best that it is, whereas the boys are playing it for themselves, for playing it for the laughs that they can get, generally speaking. So I think Kath is a bit better at playing it for, so everyone flourishes. So, you know, sometimes that like it looks, it's more skillful to look like you're not doing anything. And Absolutely. I think that's what she's got that she probably doesn't even know. So Absolutely. I should have answered this. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> no, I, I mean, I agree with everything you said. I think that's a really, I mean, it, it, it's so interesting. I wonder, it makes me want to talk to other sketch groups and if they don't have a an outside Kiri type figure, to get, no, you should you should get one of them. I mean, that's quite yeah. an unusual way to do I things. I am available for hire. <laughs> and, uh, no, I'm she's not. not. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and uh, as well, you know, I, I think that obviously uh, uh, gives the lie to my earlier suggestion, okay, it's drive and confidence. Yeah, obviously it's those things. But it's also a kind of an analysis, a critical appraisal. Your, what, to what extent do you direct during the, the creation of the shows and during the running of the shows? Are you writing the show and then letting them to it? Or are you sitting in front of them in a beret going, stand there now, do that now? Um, I, how we do it usually is we write it and we're as quickly as we can. We basically sort out the beats and they're such funny guys that as soon as we've got them... Tell us what you mean by the beat. So uh, so this is the premise, this is the middle and this is the punchline. Okay. So we always have, we're just leading towards the punchline and then we don't really care about anything else. And so as long as they're hitting those beats of like set up, Oh, conceit, and then pay off. Um, so they just we get up on their feet, uh, on their feet as soon as we can, and they can just you just sorry just to press you on this. Can you give us an example of an existing sketch and let us see those beats when you say set up conceit punchline? So for for example, with the with the sketches, just a thing to talk about that's nice. Um, and I think it was Kiri who actually came up with this, or it might have been you guys together. But the uh, we we said that we have things called A punchlines, B punchlines, and C punchlines. And you've got the A punchlines, which are the big payoffs that everyone will laugh at. Bankers. Bankers. Mm. Bankers. It's what uh, the sketch is about. The A punchline is what the sketch is about. Okay. Yeah. And then we've gotcha. got we've got the B punchlines that are sort of like the secondary jokes. Uh, there's quite, a, and I'll go into that in a second by describing one of the sketches. And then you've got the C punchlines, uh, which are essentially just for us, <laughs> the in jokes that we really, really like. And what's lovely about those is that we know that that's a joke but we know it's only going to work with one or two people in the audience. And it's really lovely every now and again when you do one of those lines and you hear just one person get it in the room yeah. and you're like, yes, I knew that that should be in there. Yes. And it's wonderful. So an example of that, uh, there's a sketch from our first show that we, we called Monkey, where Ed's a monkey and I'm doing sign language. 
yeah. and uh, to, towards Ed. And the big, uh, the big punchline in it is that Ed can actually talk. So that is uh, that's the the A punchline in that. But then there's isn't the A punchline that he's been sexually assaulted? Yeah, and but I, I wouldn't say that. But <laughs> so, yeah, but... I see what you mean. Like the, from from my knowledge of that sketch, the big reveal, mm. if you like, is that he can actually yeah, talk. So it's a sketch about a monkey yeah, that can yeah. actually talk. Yeah. The smaller punchline before the A punchline. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So he can he turns out that he can speak, even though he's been signing to this guy. But the the punchline before that, which I guess is the B punchline, is that he can, uh, is that he's been sexually assaulted by Kath, that she's been touching him in his genital area, and then uh, then then the bit at the end where Kath enters and and before he's and Jim says, "Can I have a word?" Kath immediately goes, "Well, he's fucking lying." Yeah. So it's about yeah, it's about. So we knew that those were the bits that we we're going to hit, and that came from I've been watching Project Nim. And uh, it, there's a, about a monkey that signs, and we were talking about how you had a great monkey impression. We were like, "There's definitely something we can do here." Okay. So yeah, that is would just be. A, I think that we kept adding punchlines. So it was. I think the first line. I think we didn't come up till with the monkey speaking until we, it was on its feet. So it was just that he would say. So what's the funniest thing a monkey could sign? The first thing he can do when he learns the sign for touch is to say that he's being touched by one of the other zookeepers. So then that, and then it was just like a. It's like with anything, as soon as it's on its feet, right? What if the monkey actually answers in in a normal voice? So you say as soon as it's on its feet. So. At what point in the process are you getting up and moving the chairs and tables back and going, right, Ed, be a monkey? So as soon as we can. Like, so you're not typing things? No, we don't anything. write anything down. We're like ABBA. <laughs> <laughs> we genuinely, genuinely not got scripts. We're ABBA. Okay. Someone, yeah. someone will turn up with an idea and say, this is what I want to happen uh, and this will be the punchline. And then we go, right, let's work on it. So we get up on the feet, Kiri watches. We all chip in ideas. We'll probably just run through it lots until we're like, until it takes shape. I'm like, right, we've got something here. Let's... Let's work on this. Okay. Yeah, we don't don't. Sorry, love. Uh, writing stuff down, um, we just don't do to our detriment because when people are like, "Can you send like we do radio stuff or whatever?" and they're like, "Can you send a script over?" and we're like, "No, we don't. We don't have them." And it's hard to remember. Like they can do it all live, and they have all the shows up there but we just don't have any kind of record of it. It's so bad. So we all have to travel on separate planes. (laughs) 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 We translated the show into Navajo. (laughs) So 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 that made me think of another question, which is that your... So do do the, does the script change, the inverted commas script? If one of you is giving a monologue at a particular bit, might it be different from one night to the other and the other person on stage has to just jump in when they think it's appropriate? Uh, it can do. When they're, when they're first made, they change quite a lot, but we try and hammer them home as quickly as possible and get, get them okay. as rigorous as possible. But then it, it, does, it does sort of help in regards to... I think one thing that we're all right at is if something happens in the room, say an audience member does something, we're actually quite good at acknowledging it all. Not necessarily because you don't really get heckles in sketch because it's just sort of a different form, well, You're I too guess. frightening to heckle. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I suppose, but yeah, yeah we get, it's, it's a lot easier to come out of something and then carry sure. on because it's, we don't have to write it down. But yeah, I think sometimes people can go off and it's usually to the detriment of, of the sketch. So people, if somebody's having fun... They okay. can they can start saying something else, but then it's like there's a few, there's a few examples that I don't know whether I can I can say them because it makes but it makes made me laugh loads. Um, I, don't know, I won't say it, but they can sort things of, that you've done, things that have happened on stage okay. where it's been like, why did 
Why did that happen? It's like, oh, I don't know, I just thought it'd be funny. What, just in terms of, we, we, we've <laughs> been talking occasionally about the difference between you and other sketch groups. I cannot imagine Gaines fake corpsing. Oh, it's oh, a- no. <laughs> yeah, no. Not allowed. Not allowed. No, no. Yeah. Not allowed to corpse. Yeah. Real corpsing, it's, it's sickening to us. <laughs> genu- genuinely, there's been, t- just there's for, been the, times. Just for the listener of, uh, who might not be familiar with this phrase, I don't know if it's a Eurocentric phrase, but corpsing is uh, laughing on stage when you should be uh. straight-faced. And yeah. it's something that sort of creeps into sketch comedy is if we if we corpse one night and everyone laughs and the next night we kind of we thought <laughs> we've made the same mistake guys <laughs> we uh carry text the shows and some if we have corpse like if, if something's happened because even if even if the even if oh, the so words she watched, so kiri watches every single show most the of the show box, yeah okay. a lot of the uh, okay when it, the edinburgh shows every show yeah, yeah. Kiri, we get notes every show um but sometimes one of us could the, the lines will stay the same but one of us will really amp up how we're doing a line it could it could just make somebody laugh yeah. uh, but if if there's a if there's a <laughs> if there's ever been a moment where he corpse we kiri will go oi and i shout and like sorry sorry mid and like show. mid shows <laughs> no that, i'm sorry i didn't mean to and like really like we're really if it's, it's happened very infrequently but if we do we're like i'm so sorry Sometimes like it's really it's embarrassing it happens when i've corpse because of something you've done it's normally uh when you're facing away and then you turn to me and say something uh, and just the expression on your face, if it's slightly different, like uh, there's a bit, uh, we have a, a sketch where we, uh, we were playing charades and uh, there's one bit where it goes, I'm not goofing. And there's uh, you, the face that you pulled, I think, I think it was, I think it was when we did our 30 minutes at the blind poet. Uh, and I remember just corpsing right away because he just did it ever so slightly different. And when you've been doing the same sketch yeah. for a while and you're expecting the same thing, it just threw me a little. And, and yeah, when, when you, you, corpsing takes away from it, I think, and then you, you get angry. That's essentially it. <laughs> so let's talk then about some of the things which you, uh, other things you don't do. What other don't do's are there? No fake corpsing. No go accents. Go oh, on, yeah. No accents. Oh, yeah, no accents, no wigs. Why no accents? Because it's it's a fucking gross conceit that snuck into it. Like, what well, I hate the idea of. I'll try not as as well when people yeah do Russian accents or speak another language. We're like, I get that you went to a good school, but I don't give a shit. Like, I just think it, it makes me feel ill. When but is that and is, is there artistic reasons as well? Or do you, I mean, is the artistic reason you consider it showing off, or is yeah, it like yeah, you it's, personally? It's, yeah, it looks like it's it's a show. Get on stage above a pub in Sheffield and speak Russian at them for four minutes and see yeah. what happens. Like, it's a waste of everyone's time because it's rarely that that payoff is good enough. If the payoff is good enough, then all right. But I just think it's, it doesn't fit with our sensibilities either. But aren't, aren't you, with that pub in Sheffield example, aren't you holding sketch groups to a, to a standard that they don't need? Most sketch groups might say, well, we wouldn't gig above a pub in Sheffield. We but would then gig that's in an why they're not centre. very good. <laughs> but but you know someone in the national theatre might pref- you know what I mean? Yeah. There, there, there are different contexts. I'd also I'd also add though that if uh, sorry Ed, we don't mean you, whoever's listening. Like, <laughs> oh, no 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 no. I'd, I'd also add though um, that sometimes uh, it does feel like if if let's say you're you're speaking another language, you're putting an accent on that you're not necessarily doing it for the funny, which is what we're trying to do. You're doing it to showcase that you can do an accent and that yeah. you can act or that you can, and that's not what sketch comedy should be about it should be about the joke it should it's called sketch comedy it shouldn't be about showcasing it's not sketch the, audition yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, okay. that's what yeah. it feels like sometimes yeah. so it's not for me it's not even necessarily about above a pub in in sheffield it's about the fact that 
you're not doing your job properly, which is to get the biggest laughs possible. You're trying to use it as a showcase for do yourself. Do people sometimes do accents in order to sort of break up some idea of monotony to just change it uh, to like in the same way as you'd wear a costume to change the the speed i'm gonna try and step in it i wouldn't say it's our place to say why other people would do it but i think it's our place to say why we don't do it yeah i don't want to be going like oh, they shouldn't be doing it like this and they no, shouldn't no, be no, doing it like, like all of this conversation yeah. takes place within the bubble of this yeah, is how yeah. we do it this so i don't like, like I, d- I wouldn't know why anyone else would do- <laughs> no i wouldn't know what i don't know. <laughs> i have no idea why they do it just do it i don't know why they do it no <laughs> There are examples of people doing that well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That, you know, it's not, it's, yeah, Curious is talking about, like, w- w- how we work, I guess. I mean, their their audience are there to be rewarded for understanding what is clever. And and I get that, and that's, that's they feel great about themselves because they get it to laugh. And what I think is great about us is that um, there's, there is you get from it what you're capable of getting from it. So you can just laugh at the big silly stuff and you can laugh at the more, you know, sort of complicated stuff. But if you're willing to come the whole way and really engage with the show, because we usually put that in at the start, like you're going to have to work hard to enjoy this. It's like we're, because that's, if you're willing to look past no costumes and all that kind of stuff, there's so much more there that we're saying and going on and playing with. But if you just want to take it at face value, that's okay as well. You started counting on your fingers other things you don't do. No blackouts, because yep. we've got punchlines instead. Nice. The, um, actually, the Beasts had a really nice bit in their show about that, weren't they? Oh, did they? Yeah. What's the I can't, I can't remember. Okay. Just thought I'd try and, be, try and be nice about sketch groups. And shows. <laughs> Still um, get invited to sketch parties. <laughs> Start getting invited to sketch parties. <laughs> um, yeah, no costumes, because it should be in the performance. No overacting. It sounds ridiculous when Ed uh, sexually assaults himself on stage. But, I mean, like... We, I mean, we have, we have a sketch um, where they do impressions at each other. And that we call impressions. And there's one of the punchlines that we think is fine, but Jim really sells it. He at the end he goes, How could because basically it's Kath wanking off into someone's face for ages and the impression <laughs> she's doing, she went she goes, uh, that's Jim, how can you not uh, and she goes, I'm doing Jim and Jim sits up and goes, How can you not get that? That's me in a nutshell. But he really <laughs> sells it. Um and we go, like sometimes we'll think a punchline isn't as strong as it should be to end on, and we'll go, You'll just have to impressions it, which is shorthand for sell that idea. Say it louder. Yeah, sell it. There's a better idea than it is. That's totally it. Yeah, that's totally it. But that's so we try not to impressions anything. So we try not to. So yeah, no wigs, no costumes, no accents. Mainly because I've been a bit over the top there. But the thing with accents for me is it's just part of an aesthetic and sketch that we're deliberately keeping ourselves away from. Like in Edinburgh, when they were like, "You need to go at six o'clock." That's sketch o'clock and we're like that's not us we're not tea time knockabout fun mm-hmm. like let's put ourselves at 11 o'clock at night where everyone's hammered and tired and we can be like poo boo but blood blood bum bum <laughs> like because it's if we don't fit like how embarrassing to do that uh, an I can't believe hour. you call your shows volume one and volume two when you could be calling them poo poo <laughs> 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 so annoyed right now <laughs> um so what else are we uh, yes yeah, so no corpsing is is absolute and i've never said oi i've gone i've done a sharp intake you that. have shouted at us <laughs> <laughs> material then have you cut what material can you give us an example of something that you have worked on and thought oh, it's, it's kind of good and then binned yeah and why yeah xbox oh god yeah 
Excellent. Loads, so, loads. yeah, loads, loads. <laughs> um, there's, there's one that we use whenever, whenever we, we're joking and we go, what should we do in tonight's set list? And we go, okay, we'll do Xbox and we'll do like, we do like real off ones that just would never work. And there's one called Xbox. We did it once at our new material night. <laughs> and it was, oh, wow. Um, so, so what it was, it was me sat down playing uh, on an Xbox, an Xbox controller with the headset in. And it's me, it's like a sort of Christmas Day type thing. I'm like, oh, good game, guys. Where we really pwn those noobs. And it's like playing a little kid almost who's just got his Xbox, but he's like, it's just sort of already quite sad because it's just him on his own. It's like, oh, my, my stepdad got me this or whatever. It's just like really bleak stuff. And then Kath comes in with Jim and Jim's like, he's he's in here. Oh, Ed, what are you doing in this room full of like broken things? You know that TV doesn't work and all that kind of stuff. So I'm just in there playing a broken Xbox with a broken telly. And then Kath goes, thank you so much. And then um, comes and sits next to me and just says, oh, no. <laughs> Nobody loves you. <laughs> we all hate you. And then like leaves. I don't, I don't even, and then it, it, she left. And I was, I was like, I can't remember why that was meant to be funny. <laughs> just like, just like, really sorry. I'm really sorry. Like when I we wrote it, people was dark. <laughs> yeah. Just like just doing. That, I was like, why was that? When we did it, no, this is definitely funny. I think, <laughs> but it just wasn't. It was just hor- really horrible. And just like that's so sad and. and there's and nothing funny about it. We had um, we had one this year that we struggled with right up until the end that was about Dignitas. And we always do take that rule of punch up, not down. And it just felt like we couldn't make it. So we were... Because I think we can start from... So we had a show, a sketch on, uh, in a first show, uh, first hour show called, that we call Cards. And it's basically Kath's got a pink and a blue card and she's they're waiting for a woman to give birth, and Ed gets there late and was like, oh, can I have one of your cards? I forgot to get one. And then she goes, uh, this is based on a dream Kath had, mm-hmm. that someone <laughs> said to her in the dream, you can never do that sketch, it's too awful. Um, made it to the show. <laughs> and uh, she says, uh, well, he said, well, you don't need two. And she goes, well, the pink one's for if it's alive. And then and then there's like this horrible moment where Kath's a monster. That exactly yeah, that shall can take a breath, yeah. Um, but then, like, the deliberate thing there is to go, right, these guys are monsters, but then th- that's this is the kind of stuff I'm most excited by, is to just take them on a journey where they have to like us again. So Ed disappears to check on the woman and then comes back and starts talking through this horrible thing he's seen in the maternity room that's basically a, a teratoma, is it? Which is those tumours which are made of teeth and hair. And he's sort of describing it in detail. And then you realise, the more he describes it, he'd be like, that doesn't sound like one of those. And then Kathy's like, that sounds like a baby. And he's like, oh, it was a baby. Like, So you, you get that huge relief and that yeah, big okay. release that they trust that you did that horrible thing, but they go with you till the end. Okay. And then it flips around again in the, the woman, who is always me when we refer to someone who's not there, and has died and then it's like but you can still use both your cards though high five and it's amazing to see audiences go th- be flipped around we, with all those emotions we're going with it we're not going yeah. with it anymore this we're going with it again yeah. please be nice to us yeah. oh god with it yeah okay. it's always so the best is created and then it leaves and that's what's that's what makes it so funny i think yes. yeah it's the it's the laughter of relief of like oh they're not they're not awful people it's fine the yeah. baby's alive and then they they're perfectly happy to laugh at a dead woman yeah which i think is the, is the nice thing they're like they haven't killed a baby have they oh they haven't and they're so happy about that they they're fine with it being the woman and it was it was one of the sketches that got uh was most consistent for applause breaks and i think that was an audience going thank you very much for I'm not saying it got them all the time. I'm no, saying that, no, like, no. it is the most frequent one. Um, it was the one that audiences are kind of going, thank you very much for pushing us, but keeping our trust by not 
fucking yes. us over and it actually okay. being about that. Okay. So I wanted to uh, I want to talk to you about other technical things to do with the transitions between the sketches, which I think are very unusual and sort of soupy and dreamlike in, in your shows. <laughs> it's kind of part of that get to the joke and then immediately walk through it with another joke. I, I want to talk a bit about those. But just while we're on the subject of uh, difficult stuff and asking them to go with you on a journey, um, there's something I just suppose... I didn't really have it pinned at the time as an issue for myself. And then I was reading back over some of your reviews and I I wanted to talk about the evolution of Kath from being the kind of the butt of some ironic sexism to then having a much stronger voice in the second show. Do you think that's something that happened? It's something that a couple of different reviews picked up on in the first show. Some of your, like, you've got rave reviews in that first hour. And I remember seeing it quite early on in 2014 because everyone was like, oh, my God, have you seen Gaines? You've got to see Gaines. And it was like, oh, oh, this is buzz. So <laughs> I went and saw it and you were getting five stars, five stars, five stars, five stars. And it seemed to me like a couple of the negative ones, the, the, the less good reviews, what they pick up on is the motif of shut up you're just the the girl you're just here yeah. do you know what I mean that was like that became they a running joke ser- they thought that wasn't a- oh yeah um yeah I think a lot of people see things or hear things and then they go oh well that's that's sexist or that's this or that's that and then they just don't either listen to the rest of it or what I, it's like almost pe- people some sometimes pick up on like key words and just go oh no I'm offended by that sure when they're not actually listening to what we're saying. And like with that first show, I I personally thought it was really obvious that we were actually doing the opposite of sexism. We were, were taking them, we were taking the mick out of that aspect of sketch or, yeah. or just theatre or whatever. That was like the point of it. I thought that was obvious personally. I, I feel very strongly about this. <clears throat> so two things, I think the difference between the reaction of the first show is literally them realising that I was in it which most people didn't realise in the first year. Okay. So then going, two boys and one girl, this must be sexist. Whereas the whole point, it was a satire on sure. the idea of women in in whatever, but particularly sketch. And, and, and to be fair, it's not, <clears throat> and to be fair to you, it's not two boys, one girl, this is sexist. It's two boys telling one girl to shut up because yeah. she's a girl. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? It's like, it's you, you could sort of see how they could make that yeah. mistake, could you? But was, no, I actually I, can't I, I because understand. I thought it was so clearly signposted. And also for me in that, the most sexist thing is to assume that, that a woman is passive enough to allow that yeah. to be happened in the, in what exchange for stage time that is that is a far so more yeah. damning indictment of women to make the assumption that she is a passive vessel for some boys jokes as opposed to someone who is consciously making the decision to represent her experience of a, of a woman in comedy and I think that that's my response. And I think it changed and it, it dropped off when, because that was a big thing that we were like, we have to make sure everyone knows we're for, but I was very against ever being on the posters. And in the second year, we changed that because we were like, people are still aren't reading the press release and realising we're for. And I think if they found out that a woman had, a, a, two women had a lot to do with it as opposed to just one, and one was a bit more of a puppet master, then they might realise that, that, that it's not... It's not sexist. Did you? Did you feel oh, that's a great answer? Did but did you feel like it was kowtowing to the idiots to have to point out that there's yes, another woman in it? Which is why we well, yes, yeah. But it felt more. It felt more like that's why we didn't cut any of that and why that stuff sort of still exists. Uh, we didn't do as much of it in the second show because it sort of felt like we'd made that point. So we moved on. Uh, there's a lot more stuff about class and race in the second show than there was in the first because we sort of not like 
tick with cure gender. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what is gender? Um, but like, you know, we felt like we sort of had that discussion in that show. So the second show was more about definitely more class. Um, but yeah, that's why it was never, we didn't cut any of that stuff. Well, even when we were getting these pretty brutal, we got great reviews, but pretty brutal reviews being like, it's sexist and Kath's just only ever a sexual object and all this kind of stuff that we were like, a less secure, less, I think, uh, determined group of people would have been like, we should cut this. But we're like, fuck that. If they don't get it, then we don't want these people our show. And if the kind of people who read that review and think, well, I can't watch that because it sounds, if that we don't want them there, that's okay. Okay. That's a great answer. Did you have anything to add to that? So, uh, two silent have, men on We all disagree with whatever Kiri says about feminism. Uh, I think Kiri's being quite sexist towards men. Uh, no. No, yeah, Jim's a new wave meninist. <laughs> yeah. Men's rights. <laughs> no, uh, that, that was said uh, better than what, than what I could have said it, but it's, exa- it's exactly how we all thought about it. Yeah, I think the, the, the main thing for me was the idea that Kath would be passive enough to be like, oh, okay, yeah, no, you just tell me to fuck off in this yeah. bit. And it's like, thank you so much for having me, though. It's like, how <laughs> dare you? Like that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but how dare Don't assume that's, that. That's pathist, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah it, it just seems so obvious to me. So the bit that in the first dance, um, the first dance. The show dance. began with the dance. I was yeah, like, okay. we'd, mate, we don't do accents, we don't have many dancers. Many, many, many dancers. <laughs> More of a dance group. Do you know, there's yeah, sketch people listening to the sketch group currently wearing wigs and practicing their accents who are like, Dances, unfucking believable. Yeah. I can't believe anyone would do a dance. It's Just so taking cheap. the piss with the dance. Go to Sheffield well. and try doing a dance. The, uh, the dance we opened with was essentially us just giving the finger to the audience repeatedly. I it remember wasn't, it well. Uh, it wasn't. I mean, what, an, what yeah. an opening salvo that but was. In that, <laughs> in that one, statement of <laughs> in that in that bit in that first bit, uh, Jim goes. Uh, James, we have a moment where we sort of introduce ourselves. James goes, James, me in uh, contemporary theatre practice, and I go, Edward Easton, uh, BA media and performance, and then Kath goes, Kath Hughes, woman, which is just <laughs> how can. You, have you watched that and be like, oh my god, they're so nasty to the woman. Yeah, like it's so absolutely. it's so weird to to watch it and miss. I don't know. I'm getting I, I'm repeating what Kiri said, but badly. I do think that there's a sort of so I um so I think that there's a there was a climate rightly created where people became more aware of gender and representation in the in the wake of sort of people like Bridget Christie doing brilliantly and the conversation about gender evolved very quickly. But I do think that led to people being like just hedging their bets a bit and not trusting their common sense on what is sexist. So, you know, white guys reviewing us and telling us that what we do and always picking out jokes that I have written mm. that is okay, like that Kath, Kath wouldn't... Well, Kath might. No, she wouldn't. Like, she wouldn't do anything that she wasn't comfortable with. Sure. So, like, to, to, to then have a man pull you up on your choice to represent your experience in comedy, tell you that what you're doing is sexist, as opposed to engaging with the actual conversations about women in comedy is just ridiculous. And I, mean, I think it's, 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 it's an ugly backlash. It's not a backlash, but it's, it's you know, it's people don't want to be the wrong side of history, sure. but they also need to think about these things. I think as well, I, I mean, do you think it's fair to say that because the, the nature of Kath's performance, as you were saying before, is so, she's so capable of playing bruised yeah do you, know I mean? you can be bruised so do you know what i mean and, and i think in the second show there was a lot more like we saw the kind of 
the the strength and the darkness underneath that. But if you write a subtle joke, I mean, and I know like a woman isn't that subtle, but you know, within the show, there was sort of, if you're writing a, a joke which has the the joke is this is sexist. The the subtext is we're obviously not fine with that. This is satirical. But the surface, the text of it is this is sexist and it's being performed angrily towards a woman who's good at looking sad. Mm. Can you sort of see there that like it, it may be not that they're being reactionary so much as you were being too subtle? If it was if it was done once, then maybe yeah, they might see it and go, oh, there was that sexist bit. But the fact that it is done repeatedly throughout the show, you you definitely pick up on that subtlety. The people the people uh, who reviewed it and gave it and gave it g- good reviews picked up on that. Yeah, and more people picked up on that than didn't. So the people that didn't, in my in my view, it's because they were idiots. And if you can't pick up on it, you can't pick up on it. <laughs> what I'm saying is, if you've given us a bad review. You're an idiot. Uh, no, uh, no. Uh, so I, I genuinely think that there was enough examples in there for 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 it to be picked up on. And, and in the first show as well, if you look at the con- step back and look at the context of the whole show, that was Kath's show. She wins at the end. Like there's uh, basically there's all this kind of like them needling at her and being unpleasant and fuck off, Kath, and like dismissing her off stage because she's just a vehicle for the boys. Um, and then at the end, she ki- like the th- she is the through line, and she kills Ed, like, and that's and wins so totally by killing one of her aggressors, and then just sort of casually shrugging off, going, "Thanks very much for coming." At the end, the sh- the show is Kath's, so how can you not step back and see all that context? I refuse to believe that anyone who's astute enough to analyze what parts were sexual and whether she was, you know, like just a sexual cannot pick up on all that that subtext as well. And genuinely if they if they if they don't then it's 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 okay, don't come back. Don't come back. It's all right. But we're not going to it we're not going to hand stuff to you. Great. That was a fun <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That was a really a really uh, well articulated and passionate answer and I'm glad we spent so long talking about that because it was it obviously infuriated you. And uh, I think like when I was reading those reviews because it kind of came up in two or three of them. Yeah. yeah. I thought this is clearly I, I was I was interested in talking about the thing itself which we have and I was also interested in whether you had made changes based on those criticisms. So we talked about that enough, but can you give us uh, an example of a piece of criticism that you did think was accurate? So not not doesn't need to be sort of gender related at all. I think we've we've sort of we've finished that. But um, something I like asking guests to do is review yourselves. If you were to review yourselves, what what little things would you pick up on that you think we could have? You know, are there any sketch groups that you go rather than? I hate these pricks. I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth. I think you don't think that. But um, are there are there things that you that you wish you were better at doing? Are there what's what what things would you like to fix next time and the time after? For that? sure, there was two sketches that shouldn't have been in their final cut. For why? Uh, not up to not up not to scratch, but the it's just hard. It was just that was the best of a that was the best that we could work it because also it's it's not gains if there isn't a balance of people on stage because mm-hmm. it, it can't just be it'd be very easy to make it the ed show candidly speaking because ed is big and what he does is really you know enjoyable and really big and physical so it's really easy to let him shine and be big and silly all the time but 
Gaines isn't at its best when it's just Ed being great. Gaines is at his best when everyone is being brilliant at what they do. So you leap up a level, but that is the hardest thing to do is to make sure that we've got those sketches where Jim shines and where Kath shines. Like that's, that's hard to do. Um, so, and then second show, I think that we should have been, again, the balance wasn't quite, I actually think that we fell down a little bit on the other side and there wasn't enough of Ed in the second show, enough of, what it is that's special about Ed? So, yeah, nothing's nothing's perfect. I um I think as well that like the personal relationships in the, in the second show because it was so stre- we've been so yeah we've been so like it's, it's still relatively new I guess in regards to comedy in the in the comedy world it's all still quite new and to do a show an hour show and get such a lovely response and then be like oh fuck we've got to do a second one now and not like. So we're thinking ahead, but like it just—it's so—it's so much to take on. I know that Jim, Jim, and I didn't see eye to eye for quite a lot of the second show. Candidly speaking, again, yeah. we didn't really see eye to eye in the in the second show. So whenever, and this is something I think it may, maybe you you fell down a bit in telling us because I didn't see it, and then when you told us afterwards, I was like, oh god, and it's the worst thing in the world to be told something that you've done, and you go, no, oh no, shit, no, I totally that is exactly okay. what happened. And so whenever we were on stage, it wasn't as good as it could have been because. There was so much between us. It was tense at the time because of how... Sorry. Give him sorry, the mic, yeah. Jesus. He doesn't deserve the mic. There's a whole po- fucking point. Why doesn't Ed get the mic? <laughs> yeah, our relationship got a bit a bit tense at the time, but it's, it's because we were doing a second show and after the lovely response we had from the first show, um, there was a lot of pressure and want, want, wanting that show to be good. We didn't want to be known as like one-hit wonders. Yeah, and, and this was a year as well when you were doing you were doing fans and games... Yep. And you were doing a solo show? You were doing half an hour of stand-up I was doing half an hour with Will. And I, I remember was, talking to you in the I, courtyard about you, the insane amount of things yeah, you Yeah, I was also day. doing uh, the Big Value Showcase for mm-hmm. Just the Tonic. Um, I, I think essentially I, I was doing, on average, five or six shows a day. Um, but it was the year we wrote the Radio Wales thing and we're babies so we didn't know that you could recycle material so we wrote 90 minutes of new comedy that yeah. year for the radio because we didn't think that you could put anything on radio. So it was a really busy not to mention the fact that we all gig and work as well so. yeah and so the, the the tensions there and um it, it, it just it affected our performances on stage during the show i think so i think our performances weren't as strong in the second show as they could have been the writing was 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 on par i think ed, ed wrote a lot of the second show mm. and the writing was great um but i think our uh, performances at times because of how tense we all were um some it, it affected us a bit and what? I, oh, go on. Uh, yeah, just to like finish the the point, I think is that I think that's where when Kiri said we play for ourselves and Kath plays for the scene, plays for the sketch. I think that's where that properly came out was that when we we're on stage, instead of being like, let's make this a good sketch, we're like, well, fine, I'll be as good as I can in this. Instead of making it, and I think that's where it. I don't know whether that was. As, I hope it wasn't in the first show as much. You're not looking. You're not <laughs> looking at my eyes. <laughs> it seems to me like that's the sort of thing which left unchecked can break up a sketch group, but yeah. you've got someone who can check it. Mm. Yeah, but, Do you know what I mean? You've got an outside eye and a kind it's of... Such I'm, I'm going to use the word matriarch. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's such an imperfect system because the other side of it is that Jim and I have been together as a, as a partners for um, seven years. So then to work with your partner and then have to put on a director's hat and then sometimes put on the girlfriend's hat and sometimes not know which hat you've got on. And I mean, it's hard because sometimes I think when I give you direction, 
and I've also been on your ass all morning about cleaning the house. And then I immediately go in at a much higher level. I think the way I speak to Jim sometimes is appalling. And because I come to it with loads of backstory of him having fucked me off for an entire week yeah. and then try and rehearse. And if I'm, I'll be curt with him and then he has to try and kind of graciously, which he doesn't, take that direction uh, with, with me just being a director. So it's, it's, it's a living nightmare to try and manage the personal relationships. Yeah, I... Uh... Yeah, I, I think, so, I think it, it we're, may be a uh, living think, nightmare, but well done for letting him take the mic from you. There. Yeah, thank you. We're all sharing uh, and we're all moving forward. Yeah, I think I think because uh, me and Kiri are together, we sometimes speak to each other a lot more harshly than than we probably should do in the sketch environment. Yes. And I, Kiri implemented this a few months ago, actually, because I could see it was completely getting on her nerves. But I, I was someone who definitely took the work home. So once games were over and we were hanging out, if I had problems... I'd be chatting about them to just Kiri mm. rather than the group. So we implemented a rule where it was just like, right, gains time is gains time and personal time is personal time. And I think that that's helped quite a lot and it's made us... We, we are going to have to pause there and find out what Kiri just whispered yeah, to Ed. I'd like to know as well, I can hear it. <laughs> I whispered fucking in that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... God the, damn this solo microphone setup. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, and I, I think, um, I think in the long term, I think the second show will be... Uh, a very, very, all the tension that came with it, I think long term, it will be a very good thing. It's good that we experienced it then and that it's happened and that hopefully we'll learn from that and in, in the future we'll be able to speak more free. I, I, I personally think that since then, and anyway, we've been able to uh, grievances a bit a bit easier because there are, there, there are always going to be, there's different personalities, there's different ideas that go around. There's going to be different ways that you want to do things. And it's about compromise. It's like it's like being in a relationship. I feel like I'm in a relationship with Ed and Kath as well. Yeah. 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 Double, they've got a double relationship. It's horrible. <laughs> How was it for you being on stage with two competing, you know, guys, <laughs> two competing dicks? Um, I actually didn't. I'm really bad at, at looking back at, at shows and knowing whether it's gone well or not. Like I'm really bad at that. So, and on kind of on stage as well. Like if something gets a big laugh, sometimes I don't even. I could come off stage and be like, oh, it didn't go well. And then the others are like, no, it did. And I, because I'm really bad at acknowledging what's happening. I'm just sort of on the stage doing the, the thing and not really paying attention to 100% what's going on. I'm, I don't, with these guys, I don't ever remember it being like, oh, this is odd. I just remember, I don't know, because you just react to what people are saying to you, don't you, when you're on stage and that's just what you do. So I don't ever remember acknowledging it properly. Other than off stage, that in general, yeah, I thought we were talking about like being on stage in the show. It, it, yes, it was a tough year. And yeah. how did you cope with that? How did you uh, how did you keep your personal part of the ship on course when these two swinging <laughs> dicks are? You'd like to know that as well. Um, <laughs> I honestly, I I don't know because to me, I'm just the, the the same all the time. So nothing really changes when stuff around me changes. So I really don't know. That's my answer to it. Okay, and, <laughs> and coming back to the uh, the reviewing the show, what do you th- what would you pick on as things about the 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 whole shebang, not just the shows, but the the group? Mm. What things do do you think you need to, you know, what things do you what things what, what areas would you identify where the group could could do better? Um, no, because yeah, I would I would I would always go, oh, well, I need to be better. That that would be my first response. Um, but I guess it's what you guys were saying. 
like the whole like getting the balance right and of the show like because there's sometimes where there's not enough gym in it and like Kiri said not enough edge in it last year so it's that's the main bit the balance bit yeah do you this is do do you do the other three of you need to constantly tell Kath to back herself (laughs) every single time when we do because you're I mean because you're brilliant she's exceptional no, it's not kind. It's not <laughs> nice or kind. No. She's exceptional and she can't that's see it and that's okay because at the moment, because as soon as she cons on how good she is, she'll fuck off and leave this shit show. But, <laughs> I, was, like, I, was yelling that, I was yelling that at Kathy the other night. We were on a night out and then he burst into tears going, oh my God, when you find out, oh God, it's like drinking a whiskey. When you know, oh, when so you great. find out, oh God. Amazing. When you're in the next Ridley Scott film. Yeah. <laughs> Um, just remember who's in your generation, Cass. Yeah. Um, but really embar- I, I, I get really embarrassed about that because like, I don't realise I'm doing it a lot of the time. That's the, the embarrassing bit. And do you? So do you then feel that you need to, as the as the the, the director, do you need to make sure that Cath is still sort of feeling positive about it? Yeah, she will. It does feel like the boy, It feels like the boys don't have much of an issue with believing in themselves. No, no, they're they're, <laughs> they're okay on that. Hey-o. <laughs> but she will always try and cut the sketches that are just her. So um, anything that she is the lead in or just her. So from this year's show, there was one called Connect Four, where she basically plays Connect Four on her own. She was desperate to, to the point where I think you'd not even knowingly do it, will underperform because you think you can't do it. And I know the standard you can work to. And then you'd be like, it's not working, it's not working. Sometimes she'll come off stage and go, that sketch doesn't work, and be like, it got an applause break, Kath. But she literally can't hear the laughs or the reaction on stage. So there's so many things. That interrogation one that we yeah. cut in the end. We just so, so many. It was exhausting to write, yeah. write sketches that she was brilliant in, and then just cut it. It was like, no, I, just, I don't think it works. Yeah. Yeah, and she, she will, like, inadvertently try and run it into the ground to take herself out of it more. <laughs> And then, and then we'll be like, "There's not enough Catherine," and you'll be like, "Oh, it's okay. I don't need to be in. I can just make the tea." But like, it, Kathy's always trying to. Maybe she doesn't want to be in Gaines. It's just I've just realised, but she's always trying to write herself out of the show because I think that she doesn't think that she's good enough to be in it because she doesn't realise she's the best one. I think I speak for. I think I speak for a lot of uh, <laughs> comics listening to this who probably have their own issues with believing in themselves because, like, normally it, it feels to me like. Uh, sketch people normally in my experience of doing the podcast and just chatting to my mates who do various things sketch comics the, the, the happiest people are improv people yeah because they, okay. they haven't even got to write anything <laughs> then there's sketch groups because everything's better in sketch apart from the money because you can all back each other up and then right down at the bottom it's stand up of which you know roughly half of us hate ourselves and roughly half of us believe in ourselves far too much <laughs> so I think I can speak for most stand-ups when I say that a lot of us feel like Kath and a lot of people listening to this will be wishing they fucking had a Kiri oh, to yeah. ring them up. Could you, yeah. if you could do some sort of self-belief blog that for comics that people could tap into? Yeah, but I go in too hard sometimes, like way too hard. Ed's better at... We sort of try and manage it because I think like... Because Jim as well, you had a big wobble last year and I remember Ed and I having loads of meetings on our own where we're like, right, you take Kath and I'm going to take Jim and just making sure that like they realise how valuable they are, that we can't do it without them, that we need them to step up and we need them to be firing on all cylinders and and us, us like trying to take it in shifts last year. Yeah. Also like, and are you okay? It's like, it doesn't matter right now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I remember I stood outside, it was like two o'clock in the morning, we got back from a gig and we were talking about who was going to talk to who and what we needed to do and Ed went, 
are you all right? And I went, it's, we can talk about this another time. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think I, like, I, confidence-wise, like, I, I'm not like, I'm the fucking best. I'm like, I don't, I don't think that, but I, I think for me, it's like, I, I think ga- I like gains. So everything I've done on my own has been horseshit. And I've, I've been like, what is this? Who am I? But in gains, I'm like, I get what gains is. So I think the only reason that I'm confident is because I'm confident in everybody else. So that's why, like, I, like, I, I hesitate, but I, th- I think this, I think I, I'm, and this is appalling if you know my, my background, but I think I'm, I have, I'm the sanest one. <laughs> like, I'm the most, like, okay and, like, he- head screwed on in regards to, like, stresses. Because obviously the last year Jim's doing so much. Kath doesn't think she's great. And then Kiri does loads as well. So I, I don't do very much. And I, so I think that that's, I'm not necessarily confident about myself. I'm confident about these guys. So then I find it a lot easier to be, to try and make sure everyone's okay but i don't do a brilliant job of it but i feel like i can no one's looking at me again <laughs> it's like absolutely you mentioned earlier on at the very beginning kiri that this big chip on your shoulder i want to talk to you about feeling like outsiders to the existing world of sketch and how it all works to me the tropes of the oxbridge sketch set are very apparent, but I don't want to put words in your mouth and maybe you don't even mean those kind of groups. Do you feel like outsiders as a group? And if so, to what? So my answer is, I think we wanted to until we met them all. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Um, Because there was an element of that, of us being up the north and being scrappy and people think that we've made stylistic choices with the pea kits and things, but it's what we could afford. Again, props and wigs was a choice, but also because we can't afford to buy those things all the time. Um, so I think we thought, God, we're so different and so edgy. And then actually, and having a much stronger idea of sketch than possibly even existed. I think it was these sketch groups to me were ideas that I'd moulded together over, you know, 10 years of watching stuff. And then actually meeting, so like our best mates in sketch are Goose and they're both Cambridge Footlights and they're exceptional and brilliant and should be making comedy and do it better than we could ever do it. And with them, I have no problem like because they're incredible and what they do is so original and brilliant and not any of the things that we lambast. Um, but yeah, I think I wanted to hate those type of people until I actually work with them, basically. Yes. Uh, I think that's one thing that we had when we were sort of up north gigging with stand-ups. We were like, sketch shit, sketch a piece of shit, London sketch. And then we went, when we went down and met them, we're like, everyone's just like really nice. It's such a, it's such a warm and welcoming circuit. I get that with stand-up all the time. You you hear about some new, some new person doing stand-up. You're like some man or woman doing great stuff. And you're like, who are they? They sound like a prick. And then you meet them and go, oh, they're one of us. They're doing really well. I'm really pleased for them. They're really nice. So just every, every time we bump into any sketch group, there's really nice. I actually can't think, I was looking at you then as in like, is there anyone that's it? And I just can't, actually can't think of anyone that isn't n- n- nice and lovely people. I feel like you're edging in here. Do you want to say something about no, no, nice sketch? I was going to carry on, yeah, and just say, uh, and incredibly supportive. Yeah. Right, I'll tell you, but because I, I at first thought that we were, I'll take that, just so you're not holding it for me like a reporter. Um, uh, I at first thought we were going to be incredibly different because a lot of the people that we did meet um, were like Cambridge Footlights, things like that, and... We are not that. Some of us particularly are almost are almost the opposite of that. Different backgrounds and everything. So I presumed we were going to be uh, just outsiders, but we weren't at all. And we, when we started performing in London and we met all these people, we were just another sketch act 
and the ones who've been going longer than us and had more experience offered advice. They were funny. They worked dead hard. And it it was actually just like, oh, sketch is really good. And the year that we went up in 2014 with our debut hour, that was almost like a... There was quite a few articles on it at the time, I think, where it was just like the resurgence of sketch. There was lots of brilliant acts. So, yeah, I don't. I, I think we might have thought we were going to be outsiders, but we've not been. I think my chip on the shoulder comes not necessarily in relation to sketch acts, more as industry, in that I do feel like, this is probably something I'm going to be like, please cut this out, because I sound mad. But I that is, that is a bugbear of mine, is that I think... I, so the sexism thing that we get accused of, um, I don't know if they were well spoken that that would have had the same impact. I think that especially with how Jim sounds, that there's an added barb that's assumed because he's clearly working class that I think might be going on. I also think that there might be that. So it's very, I think one one review last year and there was loads of social commentary from everything in there to like gay marriage to white privilege loads of stuff in there but not handed to people because that's not what we do well then one review picked up on it and said god these guys are actually it looks like they're being big and silly but they're probably saying something i think one yeah one review picked up on it and i can't help but think that if these guys had nice clipped accents that um, people would be like gosh they're clever aren't they it's very rare that people say that we're clever and we are we are clever the sound language the, the sound language in the monkey sketch is just all correct we just got that because we didn't want to be the people that like they're pretending to do sign language but because it's not latin no one goes they've worked on that do you know, it's because it because it's sign language and maybe people don't know that it's correct well, sign language yeah i mean to be fair i wouldn't have known that it was real sign you're language you're part of the problem then Stu, i am part of the problem. <laughs> would you know real latin uh yeah a little bit uh, yeah, sorry you are the problem why are we only on the show now is it because of my accent is that it <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, I think this is just a little... Yeah, okay. I think we ostracise ourselves as much as anyone else does. So, like, but that's part of our... It's part of our shtick, is being the northern poor ones who are being... Just trying to be funny, and if that's bum jokes and death jokes, that's yeah. OK. Can everyone stop being so nice to us? We want to... Yeah, yeah. yeah, there was a bit of that. I'd be like, ah, oh, we thought they were right assholes and they were lovely. Yeah. So, like, we're, we're the naughty little schoolboys tugging on our sacks, running around, <laughs> doing uh, farts with our armpits, uh, and then, like... The, the rest of the sketch scene is that teacher who's like, you know, there's something in your child. So you just need to believe in yourself. Jim, when you got nominated for and won everything, Jim... <laughs> <laughs> so you were in Funs and Games. Okay, yes. Remind me what happened with who got nominated for what. Because you had, in 2014, you had this unbelievable year. Yeah, it was, re- it was really nice. In 2014, uh, Games did Volume 1 and Funs and Games went up for the first time. Funs and Games won the panel prize and Gaines got nominated for Best Newcomer. Yeah, and, and Gaines won Chortle Best Newcomer as well. Yes, that year that's or right, yeah. Year? Uh, 2015, that okay. was, uh, about six months later. Okay. Yeah. And did was there any kind of shiver in the group where you were like, uh-oh, like we've been joking about Kath going off to Hollywood or wherever, you know what I mean? Like accelerating. Um was there anything in the group where you were like, uh, uh, Jim, you're, you're supposed to be doing this? No, no, no not even from me. Because he's so disposable. Uh, <laughs> um, I, well, for me personally, um, out of all all the things I do, and I enjoy all of them, like funs and games was great, and, and I, I, love wor- I love working in that stand up. I absolutely love, um, but number one all, all the time has always been games. I, I think I think out of all the things that I'm involved in personally, it's the funniest one. I think it's the most well written, and it's the one where I get to work with my best friends. So even if 
this is just for me personally. I'm not saying it is ever going to happen because I don't think it is. But if ever I was given an opportunity to do something really big, I still think that I'd be a member of Gaines. What a kind man. <laughs> <laughs> no, because it because it would be for me. It would be something that's more important and and better than doing something big. A, ni- yeah. a nice example of sort of how it just never felt like that was at the awards ceremony when the panel prize won and Gaines was sort of smiling a lot and very genial. (laughs) Well done. Um, We stood around and Jim had to go and get photos taken with the funds and games lot. But he was just sort of like, oh, I've got to go and do this. And then he got the photos and then he immediately came back to us and was like, oh, we got nominated and sort of like, came straight back to us like a like a battered wife um came back into our arms it's still like for the fun and games winning was amazing it was absolutely amazing but i still i couldn't enjoy winning the panel prize as much as i could have done because we were also up for another one i mean being nominated was just a a really nice thing but because there was also that thing where it was like oh we 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 would have liked that as well but didn't Mm. so i I still had that tiny bit of disappointment because i know but you know no 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 no. for any of us no no i don't mean that sounds it sounds really bad but obviously to be to be nominated is just amazing but once you once you get nominated and you're there there's always going to be that little thing where you're like oh what what if it is what if it is me in the in this yeah. Um, winning once is nice, um, but imagine winning twice. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't mean I didn't mean it that way. But I, I, I just meant it, I, I was just still. I was a bit like I want to be with these guys because we, we we've had a really great achievement as well, and it was yeah yeah. Go on, Karen, hell, what, I didn't mean that to come across. Like, no, you did. It didn't come across. Anything, <laughs> no, really. no, I don't know. No, I, okay. I was just smiling at you. enjoying your presence let's just wrap up then by talking about what you want from the future what where do you where do you want games to go what what is what is the pinnacle if you could you know yeah write write yourself a career where do you where do you want it to go well obviously we all got into this because we're actors first so we just (laughs) (laughs) it's very much a stepping stone (laughs) um now i've got nothing apart from that little goof (laughs) um we always got into this for the long run, didn't we? We was always in it for for this, for like what it is. Oh, what does that even mean? Can you we please want, want make a to... horror movie? Uh, okay, that, long yeah, long term, that would be something that that I think all of us would love to do. Um, I think one of the main things that we wanted to do was emulate uh, our heroes, which is the League of Gentlemen. I wanted to to to, to the point where uh, I know that the career path that Kiri had in mind from the beginning of all this was to almost do exactly step by step what they did so it was it was going to be like so you do the live shows you do well at them you do the radio then you do the then you do the tv show then maybe a film and things like so hopefully we're just to carry on working together and have it and be able to make things that we really like that's why we're in the attic that's why we're in the attic yeah because that's where that's where the league of gentlemen were when they won so yeah it's okay and is that are you staying there are you you doing that room again what are you doing every this year no talk to me about that decision uh, last year we we moved out of the attic because we moved somewhere bigger but it's where yeah. it's where we do our debut show uh this year we're taking a break uh because kiri's doing her debut hour and i'm doing my debut hour great and i'm, you... going, to, um, I'm going abroad i'm gonna go on a holiday <laughs> lovely kath have you got plans Are I'm, you... I'm gonna uh, tech kiri's show <laughs> and shout oi yeah. every so often yeah <laughs> make the tea <laughs> yeah um yeah because we i don't think we can do we're not in the position. I think we needed after last year was tough. 
we needed a break for us to love it again because mm-hmm. it's, it, it's very good it's hard to interrupt it was it was tough in regards to like our input like the the show was oh fun like fun to do like the the, the oh, yeah. audiences all that kind of stuff was lovely but personally like it like ourselves it was tough yeah it felt like twice the work to get the same standard of show because of what was going on stress-wise with us all and just managing it and having an unexpectedly good year i mean that sounds like my diamond shoes are too tight but having a brilliant first year and then just holding ourselves to a very high standard as well um that's why it was tricky not not for any other reason we had a a brilliant run at touch touch wood we couldn't have wished for anything better but it, i we're not at the stage yet where i think that we can do a good job of solo shows and gains because it takes an awful lot and we preview the balls off it because they write so much on stage so just time wise it takes a lot so that's why we're taking a year off and to yeah learn to love it again and do the, we've got some more stuff on radio wales that we're going to be doing which is exciting can and people so- get hold of puffin island anywhere or those those I three episodes I, I did it by foul means but i wonder oh, if they're you? publicly available i don't know no i don't think so i no. think they're being i mean they're meant to be they're meant to be out on the radio again soon but i know people listen to this podcast at different times but um yeah it was radio wales and then three half hour specials so yeah sorry puffin island was the first one out of the yeah they're, they're yeah. called gains family gift shop yeah, I think so. Okay. So um, they're meant to be re-releasing them again, and I think there's talk of putting them on Radio 4 Extra as well, but we'll see. Um, so, yeah, that was... I've sort of forgotten the question. Right, so here we go. <laughs> so, yeah, I literally went... This is the League of Gentlemen. I love everything they do. They've got longevity, they've got integrity, and they keep evolving and getting better. And that is a, that's a model to emulate. So I, I mean, we flip flop between being like this, this sketch group's got three months or let's just see till the end of the tour or let's just get these few gigs out of the way. And then completely flipping. That's probably me that says all that shit. And then, uh, and <laughs> so then let the record show everyone else <laughs> nodded. <laughs> it's, and, it's because we hold ourselves to such a high standard though, isn't it? Yeah. And then the flip side of it is that I totally see this as being something that we are still working together in 25 years time because it's I want to be working making stuff I love with my best friends for ages and to keep pushing and evolving so this the sketch group is what it needed to be at the time which is us making stuff that made us excited and made each other laugh and just was fun and then that's got to a stage now and now we need to push it up again which is what we're gonna have to think about before the third show um is about right so how do we evolve um so yeah to just keep keep making great stuff i hope kath from the future what would you like uh, I love being in games, so I just want that to to keep on trucking. That'd be uh, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be lovely. <laughs> Thank you very much. So that was games. Listen. I, I thanks to them for coming on the show. Thank you so much to Jim and Ed and Kerry and Kath, and thank you to all of them for being so honest as well. I know that the subject of self belief, self confidence, anxiety, creative anxiety, all of those things are really dear to the hearts of anyone that listens to this show. I know they are, and if you're saying that they're not, you better take a good look at yourself, Mister or Missus, because uh, deep down, aren't we all of us thinking, "Oh Christ, what am I doing?" Um, so I'm really, really grateful to all of Gaines and to Kath in particular for being so honest about their 
emotional state and the way in which we try to put ourselves in or remove ourselves from that danger, the, the, the danger of creativity, having to stand there and take responsibility and go, this is me, I'm trying a thing. I think it's a fascinating subject. and I think we got some really, really good stuff uh, on that subject from that interview. So my thanks to Gaines. Thank you for listening. Uh, I'm going to ramble at you now. Um, thanks to all the horses. Uh, if you want to know what that's about, you can stick around and listen after this moment, which at, w- at which point the podcast officially concludes. Thanks for listening. Speak to you soon. Right, are they gone? Okay. So this is... Uh, thank you to all the all the horse people. Let's talk about the horse thing very quickly. I really like that so many of you, 50-plus people, got in touch. And uh, it turns out that if you search the hashtag horse, there's a lot of other people talking about it who I assume have nothing to do with this podcast. Um, so the hashtag this week, because I... I'm trying to think of something clever, and of course, of course, as soon as you try and think of something clever, the whole idea dies. So we'll go horse again, but to separate who's listening this time from who was listening last time, uh, let's. I thought I was going to be so clever, I thought, let's do a double hashtag. Hey, no one's doing double hashtags. Goldsmith's ahead of the curve. Turns out you can't do a double hashtag. I'm so glad I found that out first. What a chump. But what you can do is hashtag underscore horse. That's an underscore symbol, not the words underscore. If you want to be clever, you can probably also do hashtag the word underscore and then the symbol for horse. (laughs) Christ knows. Anyway, um, get in touch with me. Shout horse at me. Uh, I very much uh, appreciate that. I've got some lovely responses and uh, a couple of comics texted me as well, which is very kind of them. Let's talk about it's not all going to be about the baby. First things first. God, I mean, okay. title, the title of the show. I just reminded myself of that because at one point I was thinking of calling my new show. It's not entirely about the baby or like it's not all about the baby. Christ knows what I'm going to call the bastard this year. An hour last year, the title of that show. I loved calling it that. I thought it was quietly confident. It was like an antidote to the sort of Edinburgh titles and there's sort of certain familiar tropes that people fall into now with uh, how shows are titled and people do like people get their thing and go this is my thing that I use every year and I like that and I'm jealous to a certain extent but I'm also I also want mine to be different so I, I, I don't want to do another version of an hour and also I realized that at Edinburgh the title is all very well titling your show for Edinburgh to stand out but I want to tour the show. I want to take it on the show next year. I want to take it on the road next year. And then the context is completely different. So what works as an Edinburgh title, like, for example, An Hour, great title up there, uh, touring it is sort of, it still sort of works. But if you, it's not going to make someone come and see me who hasn't seen me before. It doesn't reveal anything about my personality. And it's shorn of the context of um, of the, 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 the confidence that I enjoyed in the in the Edinburgh context, if you see what I mean. God, that was a complicated sentence, but I think we got there in the end. So I've got to come up with a new one. And now I'm just trapped in it, like the, the yearly, the annual vortex of, oh, Christ, what am I going to call the show? Is, uh, is even harder now because I'm trying to do two jobs at the same time. I'm trying to make something that'll work in Edinburgh and that'll work in a touring context. I've got a couple of ideas. I'm not going to tell you what they are. Um, apart from one of them, which is hive mind. Um, <laughs> yeah, really... Uh, uh, not frustrated. I don't care. I have no emotional effect whatsoever, uh, mostly emotional reaction whatsoever. But it is becoming a thing now that on Facebook people ask the universe what they should call their show and how they should finish their jokes and how they should start their jokes. And it, it, I, I smile wryly. There is no, there's no emotional effect. And uh, if you've done that before, I don't mean you. But um, 
I've got to think of something. And I want it to be sort of silly and punchy. And my one good idea, I'll tell you this one because I can't do it. My one good idea was I thought I was going to call the show uh, 10 exclamation marks, right? Just put 10 exclamation marks in a row, which I think is quite like, you know, there's that band that's three exclamation marks. I think it's, they pronounce it chuck, chuck, chuck. Um, it's a nightmare when it comes to search engines. And of course, the uh, Edinburgh Fringe people, the Ed Fringe people uh, like to sort of define the terms. They like to rule us as much as they like to serve us. So uh, that's apparently in the style guide, not allowed. But at least I found that out now rather than in 2013 when I discovered that my idea was not allowed uh, once quite a lot of stuff, quite a lot of wheels were in motion. So 10 exclamation marks. And then I thought I could call it 10 exclamation marks. Um, just written out in words. But I just need to say, just written out in words every time. So I don't, I quite like the idea. But um, anyway, I'm not crowdsourcing that. I'm talking about the frustration of doing it. Don't send in any suggestions. <laughs> I'm revising. I've also been revising the show. So the tour show opens what, for me now recording this, is tomorrow night. And I've been listening back to a recording I made of the show before the Edinburgh Festival, from the last preview, which I did at a gig run by lovely Eric McElroy. It's a beautiful gig. I'm not going to tell you where because I'd like to preview it again and not tell everyone how great it was. But it was like a lovely little villagey gig with a really on-it audience. Um, and uh, listening back to that, it's, it's interesting. I'm realising that I've been revising the version of my show pre-26 performances of ironing out all the kinks and finessing everything. So I've got I'm kind of, I've to make sure that I remember all those things naturally. Uh, and, and I don't I'm not sort of slavishly following the almost like the final rehearsal version of the show. But two things happen to me. One is and this will sound typically ridiculous. One is that it made me laugh. <laughs> it made me laugh out loud. There are jokes I only remembered as I heard myself from July last year telling them in the recording that I went, oh, this is a good bit. And I properly laughed. And at the end of the show, it's quite a good ending. I really felt something. And I thought, my God, I mean, it's, it's lovely. Well done, history stew. Uh, well, uh, future stew is very proud of you. Present stew is proud of you. Who knows what future stew will think. Um, but uh, I, I mean, that is ridiculous. And I did the same thing the other night at a, a little gig in the Green Bank pub in Bristol. I was, uh, I was looking at my notes beforehand and I've been doing some writing, a little bit of scribbling with Matt Ewins, and we we come up with this little idea between us that we'd ping back and forth, and I laughed out loud at my own notebook whilst prepping for a gig, and I had to look up and apologise to the lovely lady sitting next to me. Yeah, sorry, I am that guy. So what I'm saying is, if it's not an advert for the show, it's certainly not an advert for my mental health, but... Um, I think the show's funny. <laughs> is that not the true test of whether you've made the work that you want to be making? If you can make that work, forget it and then listen to it again and it makes you laugh. So, you know, what, what I'm saying is maybe I should call next year's show, this year's show, maybe I should call it Tremendously Self-Satisfied <laughs> or something like that. So that's that's been a lot of fun. I've been enjoying the, the, the getting ready to tour process. I've been feeling terribly guilty about having to go to work and leave the house and leave my partner looking after the Boutros. I know everyone will, everyone feels like that. Of course they do. And, uh, and I've also been feeling guilty that I've been really relishing the, great, I get to stay in a hotel in Manchester because I'm doing some gigs there. Uh, brilliant, I get, to, I get to sleep in for once. And then I didn't. Uh, I, uh, I couldn't even sleep well. So, um... So there's certain issues with that. But in all honesty, and this is this is deep level waffle now, so turn off if you like. It's hard, man. Having a baby's pretty hard. 
Obviously. (laughs) Wow, stop the press. Parenting's difficult. Oh, man. I love him. He's so lovely. It's a good job he's not a jerk, isn't it? If he was a little jerk, this would be... I'd I'd have to lose him somewhere. But um, moments of joy and moments of despair and moments of sort of guilt and all of the stuff that I thought for some reason I would... I thought because I knew that everyone felt it, I thought, oh, well, I'll be ready for that. I won't feel that. <laughs> Does anyone else? Have you? Do you approach your life like that? I think I always have. I think there's a sort of flaw in my personality. I've always thought if I know that something is going to happen, then it'll, it won't be a problem. <laughs> you know, like, oh, yeah, if, lots of people get a bit depressed when uh, they have babies. And uh, I've had my own uh, mental health issues in the past. But uh, but lots of people get depressed when they have babies, and I know that. So when I have a baby, if I start to get depressed, I'll just think to myself, oh, this is that depressing baby thing happening. As if that was going to happen! Of course not! Just what happens is you just sort of feel sad. You don't even notice you're feeling it. I, always, I described this to someone in a conversation earlier this week. It's a bit like that old Red Dwarf episode, Better Than Life, where they're playing this sort of holographic game. Spoiler alert, it's 15 years ago. Um... But uh, they're playing this game and the game has hidden itself from them. So they think they're in real life. And I don't know if the writers intended that to be a metaphor for depression. But holy God, it's on the money that you just end up in a groove thinking, oh, this is. Yeah, I remember life is really hard, isn't it? You've got to just put the brakes on and go, no, remember how happy you can be. Step to the just put the brakes on, step outside of the vehicle and go, oh, yeah, remember Remember how great everything is. And I've, I've spent the last year being so happy, so happy in my life and my engagement. And uh, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm engaged. I <laughs> said that sounded like some odd sense. I've been so happy. And then with the potential and the excitement of, of my partner being pregnant and all the rest of it, I've just felt like, oh, my God, this is it. I'm cured. I've never been so happy. And then, of course, suddenly I haven't slept properly in a month. And I can never complain about it because my partner hasn't slept properly in a month either. Not that that knowledge stops me from complaining about it, but I can't have a really good moan. Um, and uh, and of course I haven't slept and I, I'm coming back from, I did a, a gig in High Wycombe this week and it was, it was a 250 mile round trip. I was only in the building for 90 minutes, then back in the car and back. And... In the olden times, in the pre-Boutros times, I would have then gone, right, I'm going to have eight hours sleep and catch up and get back. And you just, I can't do that. So then you're three days after that going, oh, my God, I just sort of, life's tough, isn't it? And people go, how are you? How are you doing? How's the baby? And you go, yeah, yeah, well, you know, it is what it is. And I hear myself saying that it is what it is. What I mean is it's the most dazzlingly brilliant thing that's ever happened. I just can't fucking appreciate it because I'm so strung out which is by no means a newsflash. That's, you know, that's exactly what we all knew was going to happen. All of you parents did. That's, and, and I know it's going to happen now with the friends of mine that are currently having babies. And uh, instead, of, uh, instead of hiding it from them, like all of you bastards did to me, <laughs> I am being very open in it. This is going to ruin your life. It's going to eat your life. On which subject, cracking bit of material come out of this. Um, uh, I sort of don't want to give it away on here, really. I want you to come and, and see. It's, it's going to be in the new show this year, the, the as-yet-untitled one. God, even that's been taken. <laughs> um, but it's uh, a little uh, play around with the idea of that that uh, logic problem. I've been calling it a riddle in the show, but it's a logic problem about the fox, the chicken, and the bag of grain. And I'm kind of likening this to the impossibility of... of it's like a lateral thinking puzzle. And uh, there's only one tricksy solution 
and I'm sort of applying that to the issue of like being on one half of the river with my baby and my career and my hopes and dreams. <laughs> you can only fit two things in the boat. So that's been really good. I, I feel like, OK, that's that's a bit that isn't either a short, punchy joke that gets a laugh, but isn't really a big subject. It's not that great. It's, it's like a potential bit, nor is it something that I'm in the mistake I always make is hanging my hat on it and going, well, that'll probably turn into 20 minutes. And then some months later, I go, Christ, maybe this is actually one liner. Um, so that feels like the beginning of a bit. And, you know, thank God we've got comedy, right? Because even though, I mean, Jesus, my my, my partner is doing ten times as much work as I am and, you know, sort of parenting work and doesn't get to go and plug back in their old life and have strangers tell her how brilliant she is. So um, I should probably stop moaning. Yeah, I'll try that for a bit. I mean, he's lovely. It's so great. I'm so happy. But I've also been destroyed. <laughs> um so, it's probably enough horsing around, is it? I'm really enjoying these. Thank you for listening. It's it's like putting a message in a bottle, isn't it? I can, it is sort of the equivalent of of, <laughs> of being on a desert island, writing a little note, uh, requesting hashtags and talking about things, instead of keeping almost a diary, and then chucking it in a bottle and wanging it into the sea. Except it's nothing like that, is it? Because... I mean, it would be like that if the sea was only a couple of metres across and you were on the other side with your own bottles, but you didn't have to randomly put yours in the sea, you just threw yours at me in the form of emails and tweets. But I'm feeling very supported by you guys, so thank you. I've referred to you in the plural there. I try not to do that. I, I remember overhearing that was like a radio thing. You talk to an individual listener, so I'm talking to you. The other radio rumour I heard years ago, I've never forgotten this, is whenever a DJ says... Never get tired of playing that one after a tune. It's code and it means they hate it. <laughs> so uh, anyway, spiralling off into the wilderness. Tour show opens tomorrow. I can't wait. I'm, I think I'm going to cry at the end. Like, not as a tactic, but I, I was just running the show and there's a sort of thing at the end about my relationship and stuff. And of course I wrote the show before I had a baby. And now I started, I just kind of started rehearsing that thing walking around my room and I got to that bit and I got really involved in the moment and I was like oh don't cry at the end of your show Stu not I mean you know there's absolutely a time and place for that but this this wouldn't be sort of emotionally connective tragic meaningful tears this would be Stu cries very easily <laughs> it's very hard for him to talk about being happy or sad without blubbing that's enough in it that's enough for now I don't know why I'm saying that to you I, I'm just sort of quite enjoying the uh the individual connection of uh, of this bit. That's in. That's enough. That'll do, big. Speak soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.